Chapter Twenty Seven of the Spirit of the Border by Zane Gray. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Leonard Wilson. Chapter Twenty Seven. At last the fugitives breathed free under the gold and red cover of the woods. Never speaking, never looking back, the guide hurried eastward with long strides. His followers were almost forced to run in order to keep him in sight. He had waited at the edge of the clearing for them, and relieving Jim of the heavy pack, which he swung lightly over his shoulder, he set a pace that was most difficult to maintain. The young missionary half led, half carried Nell over the stones and rough places. Mr. Wells labored in the rear. "'Oh, Jim, look back! Look back! See if we are pursued!' cried Nell frequently, with many a fearful glance into the dense thickets. The Indian took a straight course through the woods. He leaped the brooks, climbed the rough ridges, and swiftly trod the glades that were free of windfalls. His hurry and utter disregard for the plain trail left behind proved his belief in the necessity of placing many miles between the fugitives and the village of peace. Evidently they would be followed, and it would be a waste of valuable time to try to conceal their trail. Gradually the ground began to rise, the way became more difficult, but Wingenund never slackened his pace. Nell was strong, supple, and light of foot. She held her own with Jem, but time and time again they were obliged to wait for her uncle. Once he was far behind. Wingenund halted for them at the height of a ridge where the forest was open. Urgh! exclaimed the chief, as they finished the ascent. He stretched a long arm toward the sun. His falcon eye gleamed. Far in the west, a great black and yellow cloud of smoke rolled heavenward. It seemed to rise from out the forest and to hang low over the trees. Then it soared aloft and grew thinner until it lost its distinct line far in the clouds. The setting sun stood yet an hour high over a distant hill and burned dark red through the great pall of smoke. "'Is it a forest fire?' asked Nell fearfully. "'Fire, of course, but—' Jim did not voice his fear. He looked closely at Wingenund. The chieftain stood silent a moment, as was his wont when addressed. The dull glow of the sun was reflected in the dark eyes that gazed far away over forest and field. "'Fire,' said Wingenund, and it seemed that as he spoke a sterner shadow flitted across his bronzed face. The sun sets to-night over the ashes of the village of peace. He resumed his rapid march eastward. With never a backward glance the saddened party followed. Nell kept close beside Jim, and the old man tramped after them with bowed head. The sun set, but Wingenund never slackened his stride. Twilight deepened, yet he kept on. Indian, we can go no further tonight. We must rest, cried Jim, as Nell stumbled against him, and Mr. Wells panted wearily in the rear. Rest soon, replied the chief, and kept on. Darkness had settled down when Wingenund at last halted. The fugitives could see little in the gloom, but they heard the music of running water and felt soft moss beneath their feet. They sank wearily down upon a projecting stone. The moss was restful to their tired limbs. 
opening the pack they found food with which to satisfy the demands of hunger then close under the stone the fugitive sank into slumber while the watchful indian stood silent and motionless jim thought he had but just closed his eyes when he felt a gentle pressure on his arm day is here said the indian jim opened his eyes to see the bright red sun crimsoning the eastern hills and streaming gloriously over the colored forests he raised himself on his elbow to look around nell was still asleep the blanket was tucked close to her chin her chestnut hair was tumbled like a schoolgirl's she looked as fresh and sweet as the morning nell nell wake up said jim thinking the while how he would love to kiss those white eyelids nell's eyes opened wide a smile lay deep in their hazel shadows where am i oh i remember she cried sitting up oh jim i had such a sweet dream i was at home with mother and kate oh to wake and find it all a dream i am fleeing for life but jim we are safe are we not another day and we'll be safe let us fly she cried leaping up and shaking out her crumpled skirt uncle come mr wells lay quietly with his mild blue eyes smiling up at her he neither moved nor spoke eat drink said the chief opening the pack what a beautiful place exclaimed nell taking the bread and meat handed to her this is a lovely little glade look at those golden flowers the red and purple leaves the brown shining moss and those lichen covered stones why someone has camped here see the little cave the screens of plated ferns and the stone fireplace it seems to me this dark spring and those gracefully spreading branches are familiar said jim beautiful spring interposed wingenund yes i know this place cried nell excitedly i remember this glade though it was moonlight when i saw it here wetzel rescued me from gertie nell you're right replied jim how strange we should run across this place again strange fate indeed which had brought them again to beautiful spring it was destined that the great scenes of their lives were to be enacted in this mossy glade come uncle you're lazy cried nell a touch of her old roguishness making playful her voice mr wells lay still and smiled up at them you are not ill cried nell seeing for the first time how pallid was his face dear nelly i am not ill i do not suffer but i am dying he answered again with that strange sweet smile oh breathed nell falling on her knees no no mr wells you're only weak you will be all right again soon cried jim jim nelly i have known all night i have lain here wakeful my heart never was strong it gave out yesterday and now it is slowly growing weaker put your hand on my breast feel ah you see my life is flickering god's will be done i am content my work is finished my only regret is that i brought you out to this terrible borderland but i did not know 
if only i could see you safe from the peril of this wilderness at home happy married nell bent over him blinded by her tears unable to see or speak crushed by this last overwhelming blow jim sat on the other side of the old missionary holding his hand for many moments neither spoke they glanced at the pale face watching with eager wistful eyes for a smile or listening for a word come said the indian nell slowly pointed toward her uncle he is dying whispered jim to the indian go leave me murmured mr wells you are still in danger we'll not leave you cried jim no 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 sobbed nell bending over to kiss him nelly may i marry you to jim whispered mr wells into her ear he has told me how it is with him he loves you nelly i'd die happier knowing i'd left you with him even at that moment with her heart almost breaking nell's fair face flushed nell will you marry me asked jim softly low though it was he had heard mr wells whisper nell stretched a little trembling hand over her uncle to jim who enclosed it in his own her eyes met his through her tears shone faintly a light which but for the agony that made it dim would have beamed radiant find a place said mr wells handing jim a bible it was the one he always carried in his pocket with trembling hand jim turned the leaves at last he found the lines and handed the book back to the old man simple sweet and sad was that marriage service nell and jim knelt with hands clasped over mr wells the old missionary's voice was faint nell's responses were low and jim answered with deep and tender feeling beside them stood wingenund a dark magnificent figure there may god bless you murmured mr wells with a happy smile closing the bible nell my wife whispered jim kissing her hand come broke in wingenund's voice deep strong like that of a bell not one of them had observed the chief as he stood erect motionless poised like a stag scenting the air his dark eyes seemed to pierce the purple golden forest his keen ears seemed to drink in the singing of the birds and the gentle rustling of leaves native to these haunts as were the wild creatures they were no quicker than the indian to feel the approach of foes the breeze had borne faint suspicious sounds keep the bible said mr wells remember its word his hand closely clasped nell's and then suddenly loosened his pallid face was lighted by a meaning tender smile which slowly faded faded and was gone the venerable head fell back the old missionary was dead nell kissed the pale cold brow and then rose half dazed and shuddering jim was vainly trying to close the dead man's eyes she could no longer look on rising she found herself near the indian chief he took her fingers in his great hand and held them with a strong warm pressure strangely thrilled 
she looked up at wingenund his somber eyes fixed piercingly on the forest and his dark stern face were as always inscrutable no compassion shown there no emotion unbefitting a chieftain would ever find expression in that cold face but nell felt a certain tenderness in this indian a response in his great heart felt it so surely so powerfully that she leaned her head against him she knew he was her friend come said the chief once more he gently put nell aside before jem arose from his sad task we cannot leave him unburied expostulated jem wingenund dragged aside a large stone which formed one wall of the cavern then he grasped a log which was half covered by dirt and exerting his great strength pulled it from its place there was a crash a rumble the jar of a heavy weight striking the earth then the rattling of gravel and before nell and jim realized what had happened the great rock forming the roof of the cavern slipped down the bank followed by a small avalanche the cavern was completely covered mr wells was buried a mossy stone marked the old missionary's grave nell and jim were lost in wonder and awe ah cried the chief looking toward the opening in the glade fearfully nell and jim turned to be appalled by four naked painted savages standing with leveled rifles behind them stood deering and jim girty oh god we are lost 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 exclaimed jim unable to command himself hope died in his heart no cry issued from nell's white lips she was dazed by this final blow having endured so much this last misfortune apparently the ruin of her life brought no added suffering only a strange numb feeling aha thought you'd give me you the slip eh croaked gertie striding forward and as he looked at wingenund his little yellow eyes flared like flint does a wolf befriend gertie's captives chief you have led me a hard chase wingenund deigned no reply he stood as he did so often still and silent with folded arms and a look that was haughty unresponsive the indians came forward into the glade and one of them quickly bound jim's hands behind his back the savages wore a wild brutish look a feverish ferocity very near akin to insanity possessed them they were not quiet a moment but ran here and there for no apparent reason except possibly to keep in action with the raging fire in their hearts the cleanliness which characterized the normal indian was absent in them their scant buckskin dress was bedraggled and stained they were still drunk with rum and the lust for blood murder gleamed from the glance of their eyes jake come over here said gertie to his renegade friend ain't she a prize gertie and deering stood before the poor stricken girl and gloated over her fair beauty she stood as when first transfixed by the horror from which she had been fleeing her pale face was lowered her hands clenched tightly in the folds of her skirt never before had two such coarse cruel fiends as deering and gertie encumbered the earth even on the border where the best men were bad they were the worst deering was yet drunk but gertie had recovered somewhat from the effects of the rum he had absorbed 
The former rolled his big eyes and nodded his shaggy head. He was passing judgment, from his point of view, on the fine points of the girl. She certainly is, he declared with a grin. She's a little beauty. Beats any I ever seen. Jim Girty stroked his sharp chin with dirty fingers. His yellow eyes, his burnt saffron skin, his hooked nose, his thin lips, all his evil face seemed to shine with an evil triumph. To look at him was painful. To have him gaze at her was enough to drive any woman mad. Dark stains spotted the bright frills of his gaudy dress, his buckskin coat and leggings, and dotted his white eagle plumes. Dark stains, horribly suggestive, covered him from head to foot. Blood stains, the innocent blood of Christians, crimsoned his renegade's body, and every dark red blotch cried murder. "'Girl, I burned that village apiece to get you,' growled Gertie. "'Come here!' With a rude grasp that tore open her dress, exposing her beautiful white shoulder and bosom, the ruffian pulled her toward him. His face was transfixed with the fierce joy, a brutal passion. Deering looked on with a drunken grin, while his renegade friend hugged the almost dying girl. The Indians paced the glade with short strides like leashed tigers. The young missionary lay on the moss with closed eyes. He could not endure the sight of Nell in Gertie's arms. No one noticed Wingenund. He stood back a little, half-screened by drooping branches. Once again the chief's dark eyes gleamed, his head turned a trifle aside, and standing in the statuesque position habitual with him when resting, he listened as one who hears mysterious sounds. Suddenly his keen glance was riveted on the ferns above the low cliff. He had seen their graceful heads quivering. Then two blinding sheets of flame burst from the ferns. Spang! Spang! The two rifle reports thundered through the glade. Two Indians staggered and fell in their tracks, dead without a cry. A huge yellow body spread out like a panther in his spring, descended with a crash upon Deering and Gertie. The girl fell away from the renegade as he went down with a shrill screech, dragging Deering with him. Instantly began a terrific, whirling, wrestling struggle. A few feet farther down the cliff another yellow body came crashing down to alight with a thud, to bound erect, to rush forward swift as a leaping deer. The two remaining Indians had only time to draw their weapons before this lithe, threatening form whirled upon them. Shrill cries, hoarse yells, the clash of steel and dull blows mingled together. One savage went down, twisted over, writhed, and lay still. The other staggered, warded off lightning-like blows until one passed under his guard and crashed dully on his head. Then he reeled, rose again, but only to have his skull cloven by a bloody tomahawk. The victor darted toward the whirling mass. "'Loose! Shake him loose! Let him go!' yelled Jonathan Zane, swinging his bloody weapon. High above Zane's cry, deering shouts and curses, Gertie's shrieks of fear and fury, above the noise of wrestling bodies and dull blows, rose a deep, booming roar. It was Wetzel's awful cry of vengeance. "'Shake him loose!' yelled Jonathan. Baffled, he ran wildly around the wrestlers. Time and time again his gory tomahawk was raised, only to be lowered. He found no opportunity to strike. Gertie's ghastly countenance gleamed at him from the whirl of legs and arms and bodies. Then Wetzel's dark face, lighted by merciless eyes, took its place, and that gave way to Deering's broad features. 
the men being clad alike in buckskin and their motions so rapid prevented zane from lending a helping hand suddenly deering was propelled from the mass as if by a catapult his body straightened as it came down with a heavy thud zane pounced upon it with cat-like quickness once more he swung aloft the bloody hatchet then once more he lowered it for there was no need to strike the renegade's side was torn open from shoulder to hip a deluge of blood poured out upon the moss deering choked a bloody froth formed on his lips his fingers clutched at nothing his eyes rolled violently and then were fixed in an awful stare the girl lying so quiet in the woods near the old hut was avenged jonathan turned again to wetzel and gertie not with any intention to aid the hunter but simply to witness the end of the struggle without the help of the powerful deering how pitifully weak was the death's head of the frontier in the hands of the avenger jim gertie's tomahawk was thrown in one direction and his knife in another he struggled vainly in the iron grip that held him wetzel rose to his feet clutching the renegade with his left arm which had been bared in the fight he held gertie by the front of his buckskin shirt and dragged him to that tree which stood alone in the glade he pushed him against it and held him there the white dog leaped and snarled around the prisoner gertie's hands pulled and tore at the powerful arm which forced him hard against the beach it was a brown arm and huge with its bulging knotted rigid muscles a mighty arm strong as the justice which ruled it gertie thy race is run wetzel's voice cut the silence like a steel whip the terrible ruthless smile the glittering eyes of doom seemed literally to petrify the renegade the hunter's right arm rose slowly the knife in his hand quivered as if with eagerness the long blade dripping with deering's blood pointed toward the hilltop look there see them there's your friends cried wetzel on the dead branches of trees standing far above the hilltop were many great dark birds they sat motionless as if waiting buzzards buzzards hissed wetzel gertie's ghastly face became an awful thing to look upon no living countenance ever before expressed such fear such horror such agony he foamed at the mouth he struggled he writhed with a terrible fascination he watched that quivering dripping blade now poised high wetzel's arm swung with the speed of a shooting star he drove the blade into gertie's groin threw flesh and bone hard and fast into the tree he nailed the renegade to the beach there to await his lingering doom ah shrieked gertie in cries of agony he fumbled and pulled at the haft of the knife but could not loosen it he beat his breast he tore his hair his screams were echoed from the hilltop as if in mockery the white dog stood near his hair bristling his teeth snapping the dark birds sat on the dead branches above the hilltop as if waiting for their feast end of chapter twenty seven of the spirit of the border by zane gray recording by leonard wilson of springfield ohio